So our village had a, a, a smattering of languages. The main ones that were spoken were Wali and Degadi. Wali was, they're, they're both tribal languages. Do you have any Bible language? verses memorized in Wali? <laughs> I did, not now. That's long gone. Could you, could you give us a little um, bit of Wali? Oh, uh, let's see here. Sound anything like the Pixar movie? No, it doesn't. Uh, Wally. <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, if I say something to you, you won't understand. That's what that. Yeah. That's what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's good. Welcome back, students. It's been a couple weeks since we've recorded a podcast, and Caleb, who's younger than me and more hip, told me that it's cool if you advertise it as a second season. So this is the first episode of our second season of the podcast. We took a couple weeks to get going with youth group, and I feel like that's been going really well. I definitely set out some cones for youth group last night, though, and got a bunch of green chalk all over my hands and my shorts. Because the last time we used those cones was for our color wars, like over two weeks ago. I cannot believe it's still sitting on there as just like a coating over yeah everything. And I'm which I'm is still why we didn't let anybody hair. back in the church after <laughs> color wars. But we are joined today by a new voice on the podcast, but definitely not one of my favorite voices. A new face. We're joined with veteran youth leader Tony Witty. Tony, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Anytime. It's nice to be known as a veteran letter sometimes. Yes, and a veteran leader. <laughs> uh, Tony, how many years have you been helping in youth group at Soteria? Oh, well, I moved to Des Moines in August of 2013 and kind of jumped right in. So so 10, 10 years, bro. Yeah, somewhere around the 10-year mark. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, Tony and his wife, Kayla, have been helping with middle school ministry for... A very long time. Make sure you pronounce Kayla and not Caleb. You got to really pronounce that. Kayla. Kayla. Tony and his wife, Kayla. Yeah, I don't want to be married to you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Kayla is the right help mm. meet and partner for Tony. Amen. So, Tony, we want to talk about something kind of unique on the podcast. And Tony is one of the most unique individuals I know. So you're the right guy to talk to. Uh, we want to talk about missions and how that connects uh, to student ministry, how that connects uh, to our students. And there's a lot of things about Tony you might not realize, students, but one of those is that he spent a good portion of his high school, junior high or high school years, Tony? All the high school years. Well, all, all, part middle school and high school. Uh, on the mission field in Africa. Um, didn't grow up, you know, at young age on the mission field, but spent a good portion of his teen years on the mission field. So first thing I want to ask you, Tony, is how did your family get into missions? That's a good question. That's a that's a long answer, and I'm going to do my best to condense it for you. But we can make this two-parter if we have to. Two parts? Take as long as you need. Oh, my goodness. You don't Until want Jerry that. Until has to leave. People are going to lose or leave like two minutes into it. Like, I'm done with this. This is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my parents actually got the call to ministry, so to speak, um, probably 94-ish. Okay. 1994-ish. I was five years old. We were living in Northridgeville, Ohio. And my parents got the call. It's actually kind of interesting. My mom's testimony, she was 35 years old. She was reading Psalm 90 and verse 10. Says the years of our youth are, uh, the King James is like four score year and 10 or whatever it is. But 
Um, basically, 70 years old is what we're promised, is what Psalms 90 verse 10 says. And if we're lucky, we make it to 80. And she had like a real moment where she's like, my life is half over. Mm. What have I done for the Lord? And while the Lord was working in my mom, the Lord was also working in my dad. And they were like, we feel called to go to the ministry. Mind you, my dad had worked construction for, I don't know how many years in Cleveland. He installed elevators in Cleveland. So not the... I hear that business has its ups and downs. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a classic. Um, so it's not the typical background for people going to the mission field, right? My parents were involved in church, but they didn't have any formal education or anything like that. So the mission agency that my parents were going through said they needed to go to Bible college. All right. So they packed us up and we moved to Wisconsin so they could attend Northland Baptist Bible College at the time. Um, which if you ever, like when I went through college, I didn't have any kids or family and I'm like, right. this is crazy. I'm working a full-time job. I'm student teaching. I'm going to college. This is nuts. And my dad did it with a wife five kids working a full-time job at night. Like it's just crazy. Like to see your parents. Case anybody that. else thinks they're busy. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Wow. <laughs> I remember many times just waking up in the morning for school and there he is typing away on the computer, chugging coffee. Cause he pulled another all nighter, like just nuts. Like yeah. the sacrifice he put on himself for his family is pretty inspiring. Anyway, I digress Two or 98. We went to Ivory coast for, Six weeks, eight weeks, something like that is like a, a satellite trip to see if that's where the Lord was calling us. Um, long story short, a civil war broke out in the Ivory Coast, I don't know, in like 2002 or something like that. So the field closed for us at that point. Um, in 2000, I think it was, my dad graduated from Faith, or from Northland, excuse me, not from Faith, from Northland. We moved back to Ohio, did deputation, and somewhere around 2003 made it to Ghana. So, so it was for students who don't know, a deputation is where a past or a missionary or an aspiring missionary goes around and raises support. So you guys would hop in the car and go to different churches every week. Every weekend we were in a different church, which sounds fun, but it's not super fun. Like it's not fun being a guest that many that often at right, churches. Right. Yeah. And it, what was your attitude about that growing up? Were you, like, bought in, or were you, like, I'll do what mom and dad say because they seem to love Jesus, or? Yeah, kind of, like, I like adventures. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. an adventurous individual, so, like, each weekend I just vis visualize it as an adventure. I'm like, this is awesome. We're going to go someplace new and meet new people, and I, I didn't mind it as much. I don't know how it impacted my siblings as much. You know, after you do something like that for a long time, everybody's yeah. like, okay, we're ready to move on. But for the most part, I think we handled it well. Like, we would get up early Saturday morning because we all have we all were in school, you know, Friday and Friday night activities. So we'd get up Saturday morning, drive to the location, whatever church it was. We'd try to visit local ones in Ohio, but we branched out to Wisconsin and we went to Maine, I think, for one and down south. So we would drive, get there, minister all day on Sunday, Sunday night church, and then we would drive back Sunday night and get home super early Monday morning, all take a quick nap and go to go school to, the next day. So you got oh used goodness. to doing overnighters at a, at a young age. Yeah, we... Uh, so the Lord provided, uh, people raised, people started supporting you, churches started supporting you, you guys get to the mission field, and you ended up in Ghana. What was that like? It was... It's different. It's, it's just more different than you can think. Like we see the way Hollywood or movies portray Africa and we're like, Oh, that's not too bad. And it's, it's not right. 
It's not right at all. There are some aspects of it that are correct, but we, we lived in a village with no electricity or no running water. Like, it's hard to do that in the States when you have, like, a fancy cabin at the lake, you know, and you're like, oh, we're going to rough it for the weekend, as opposed to going to a village with brick walls, no floors, grass ceilings, and you're like, here you go, this is where we're living. We didn't necessarily live there, but that's, you know, where the people we were ministering to lived in. Wow. What was one of the highlights for you being in high school on the mission field? School. <laughs> I didn't do any. <laughs> <laughs> My formal education stopped in like eighth grade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, I don't know. It. We had homeschool books and we would read them and we would do schoolwork, but it wasn't like an eight hour day that we'd have here sure. in the States, right? So I would wake up in the morning, I would pound through schoolwork. I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to teach myself trigonometry. My parents are like, we have no idea to read the book. I'm trying to read the book, figure this stuff out. I'm like, I have no idea. So I would fumble through, you know, trigonometry. English was easy because you just read and answer questions, and I enjoyed that. You know, science. Basically, if you can read well, yeah. you can teach yourself as long as yeah. you're motivated. That was a hard thing was to stay motivated. Um, but anyway, and then after that, my brother, my older brother, myself, and my mom, we would actually walk into the village, and we would teach in the village schools which is crazy because I was in eighth grade, ninth grade at the time, and I was teaching a fourth grade class, P4, P2. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was, I think it was P4. Because the, the government employs teachers, right? So in the country of, of Ghana, when you graduate from secondary school is what they call it, and say you wanted to become a teacher, right? And you go to university and you get your teaching degree, the government places you. Mm. And they always place people in villages way out in the middle of nowhere because they're like, well, if you can make it there, you can make it in the big city, right? So these people are not from the area. They are placed in a village that they don't know anybody there. They have no desire to be there. There's no overwatch for them. So they're not motivated to teach. So they wouldn't just never show up. So you had a bunch of kids showing up for school with no teachers. Yeah, the parents are scraping together whatever money they have to send their kids to school, and nobody shows up. So my mom, my, myself, and my brother, we would go, and we would teach school. So I would wow. do my school in the morning, and then we would walk and do, and we would only do a couple hours because, like, our our focus wasn't to go and be teachers. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. We, yeah. we were supposed to be ministering. But it was cool because there's no teachers, there's no overwatch, there's no, you know, principal. So we could teach whatever we wanted. So it's like, all right, we're reading in the Bible today. You know? yeah. Your language lesson is out of the Gospel of John. Yes. Would you yeah. say that's what ignited your love for teaching, even though it's what pursued you? I mean, obviously, you, you helped me out a lot of teaching middle school, but then even going and getting an education degree later, was that kind of what ignited your love for it, or is it just that was all you knew and when you came to the States? That's a good question. I think I think that's part of it. Like, I, I just, to me, it wasn't necessarily like I love teaching. It was I see this need. I don't like the way that it's being handled right now, so I want to go in and handle it a different way. I don't know. Maybe it was more of a pride thing where like, I want to fix this. I don't, maybe, maybe not, but probably through that, the Lord like softened my crispy old heart to like, you should <laughs> love teaching and you should do this. That's, That's awesome. really cool. What would be the average student might think of missionary in one way? What would be one misconception about missions? You think that a lot of students have? Yeah, I think a lot of students think like, you're street preaching, right? You're standing on a box in the middle of the market and you're like, repent, 
the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? And you're like, do you have to have a Scottish accent in order to be a street preacher? In my mind, that's how it always happens, right? It's like, repent. And you're like, yes, I want to be, I want to repent. Um, but it's not like that. You just do life with people. You just do life. I love what we do here at Soteria where we have our growth groups and we, we're connected with mom's groups and the community and we just do life together. And it's like, there's not a lot to do in a village 16 miles from you know the nearest big town in africa with we had no vehicles there's nothing to do there's not a bowling alley we had mango trees to you know sit in and eat and throw the pits at people and farm if we wanted to work that's it Mm. so it's not like let's go do something so you just do life together whatever you do you're doing it with you know your african brother or whatever they do you're doing it with them our friends they were they were all the same age as us they had to work on a farm Right. That's how they got food. So during harvest time, we would never see our friends unless we picked up a hoe and went to farm with them. Well, we're not going to sit around the house and beat each other up. So we would pick up a hoe and go to farm and hang out with our friends. Like that's you just did life together. That's really cool. Yeah. Did you notice a lot of adversity to you coming in as a, especially as a white family when you initially jumped in the village or was it pretty? I, I think of when I think of like the missionary movies or something, they come and they have like have to fight to like earn the respect and you come in as these white saviors or whatever. I don't, did you, did you find that you were able to make those connections with the village you were at pretty easily or was there some areas of like difficulty that arose when you guys first or even during your ministry? So a little history about Ghana is they were colonized by the British in early times they got their independence i think in the 1940s or 1960s somewhere in there so then they became an independent country so the colonizers the british kind of went back to britain right they went back to the, the to europe so there's the older generation there's kind of a stigma right like cuz colonization the the white people didn't treat the africans well right so there was kind of a little bit of a stigma but the moment they found out, like, you were Americans, you were missionaries, you were kind of there for their benefit, total, total different, like, mm. attitude shift. Like, oh, cool. Like, my, my brother and I, we'd walk through the village almost every day, all the time, never had any issues. We could talk to whoever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Like, people would invite us in. We it just, it, it, I don't know, it's just crazy. It's almost like a very small town feel. And, yeah. We just, That's cool. We knew everybody and everybody knew us. I have to ask Tony because students want to know and I want to know what were some of the craziest critters or creatures or animals that you interacted with, namely snakes and bugs. Yeah. Do you want ones that we ate or ones that we just interacted with? How about (laughs) a different uh, list, bro? (laughs) Eating. So what are some crazy things you ate? So one day we were at farm with our buddies and they were plowing. They had uh, a couple, I think they had a yoke of oxen maybe cows, I don't remember what it was, and they were plowing the field, and a bunch of field mice popped out. They hit a nest, and a bunch of field mice popped out. And we didn't think anything of it. We're like, oh, mice, woohoo!" And they started chasing them, and we just thought nothing of it. And we kept working, and then we stopped for lunch. And there were all the field mice at the top of the, the beans there. And they were like, oh, we caught these. We cooked them for you. We want, we want you guys to eat them. We're like... All right, so my brother took the bottom half, I took the top half, and if you've ever eaten a mouse, they're pretty small, so you just pop the whole thing in your mouth, brains, butt, tail, and all, and you just chomp on it till it all disintegrates, and you swallow, and you go, that's amazing. Wow. So that one was a... Uh, you got all the bones and stuff, too? Like Yeah, just... we just crunched them up. Wow. Um, 
I, like if we would go hunting, we just called it roaming the bush. You're just looking for anything that moves to eat, like hedgehogs. We ate my mom's pet turtle once. That's a whole different story. <laughs> okay. Okay. She, she she went away, and she was like, "This is my pet turtle." And our friends came over and were like, "Let's eat it." And we're like, "We're bored." Okay, so we ate her pet turtle. <laughs> I'm sure your mom loved that. She's, she students still brings do, it up. students don't eat your mom's beloved pets. Yeah, don't. That's ever one eat your application. <laughs> Don't eat your parents' pets. So, Tony, uh, you came back near and finished high school in the States. Is that right? Or yeah, close yeah. to that? Or got yeah, two, your GED? Or how does that work? Um, 2000, I think it was six or seven. I don't remember all the years blend together. Um, I came back and I graduated with what would have been my, excuse me, my senior class. So I actually had one year of high school. It was my senior year which you would think would be the best way to go through high school, right? You're like, I skipped all the freshman, sophomore, junior years. I just went straight as a, a fr- uh, senior. But I had to do all the freshman classes. So I was in, like, freshman swimming and, like, math, like, pre-algebra and all this other stuff. So it wasn't, like... As a senior. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, great. People were like, why is this... Why is this 17, 18-year-old in this Yeah. yeah this and class. why can't he do math? Like... <laughs> So it was difficult. I did uh, OGTs, Ohio graduation tests, um, yep. in order to graduate. And for those of you who don't know, a lot of like the graduation requir- requirements are like a ninth grade level. Mm-hmm. So it, it was not difficult to test. And I had to tutor a little bit, mainly in math, because I'm just not a good math, math mathematician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I graduated with a diploma, and I walked with my my class. So that's really cool. Yeah. You are obviously not. Uh, missionary right now, but what are some lessons from the mission field, things that you've taken from the mission field as you're raising a family and doing that stateside? Yeah, I think how you live your life is, it speaks volumes of your character, right? My parents went through a lot of crazy hardships. My dad gave up a really good job. They basically subjected themselves to abject poverty, right? So that they could go to college through raising support to go on the field and then in Africa, like they, they gave that up to follow Christ. Right. And my dad had very well respected men in our church at home go, what are you doing? You're nuts. Why are you giving up this job and this career and your home and your family? Like we live 10 minutes from my dad's parents. We live 10 minutes from my mom's parents. Like we were in the perfect position. They bought a, a home with a small plot of land. Like we, they were set up. Right. They were set up to just live. And they were like, no, that's not that's that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to follow Christ. We're supposed to follow the leading of the spirit. And we're supposed to live that way. And like just through all of the things that they have gone through, you just see consistency and steadiness. They're definitely not perfect people, but you see genuine Christians living their lives and honoring Christ. And I think like for me, that is very important because there's there's. We don't do glamorous things in life every day yep. by a long shot. Like people aren't going to like t- Tony Witty is not a, like a household name. Nobody's going to know me. And I'm fine with that. I don't want people to know me. I want people to know the Lord. And that's what I want my life to do is to show people who the Lord is. And I think a good way of doing that is being faithful, being faithful at church. Right. We, we have a lot of people who say they love the Lord, but they're not faithful at church. And that, that, that blows my mind. Like, we had people in Africa that are walking miles with kids on their back, things on their head. They're sweating through a hundred degree heat to show up to a church service and worship the Lord. And it, it looks nothing like our buildings here. We don't have like air conditioning or fancy amenities. We had a dirt floor, really uncomfortable benches and 
somebody preaching in a language we didn't understand, right, at the time. But we're faithful. And I think, like, that faithfulness, people see that faithfulness, and they go, wow, they are faithful to something. What is that something? I want to see what that is. And just being faithful in life can impact people, and I think that's just important. That's really good. Tony, you do get some influence in the area of missions. Uh, Tony, in addition to being a youth leader, is also a deacon and on the missions team. So what is the missions team here at Soteria trying uh, to accomplish? You know, as we're a church here in Iowa, what is our desire, our plan, or our vision for getting the gospel out across the world? We want to... So we as a church, we love missions. We want to raise up our own missionaries out of our own church and send them, however that looks. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to look like a traditional missionary in the sense where, you know, you have to have a Bible college degree and you have to go raise support through deputation and you have to go with this certain mission agency and you have to go to this field. We want people to follow their passions, do what the Lord has inspired them to do, right? What the Holy Spirit has given them gifts and talents to do and then go and use that wherever they are going, right? Wherever that the, the Spirit is leading them, go there and make disciples. And sometimes it looks like traditional missionary work, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it looks like Matt and Casey Stout with Ruth Harbor. Like, I love that ministry. I'm a big fan of Matthew Stout. And I just, the we now have that structured, and we're marching that That's way. That's great. If a student is sitting here listening and thinking, maybe missions is something that God would have for me in the future— what would be some good first steps for a student in high school, maybe considering missions? Yeah, talk to me. Talk to uh, uh, Pastor Ward, Pastor Scott Ward. He um, he heads it up. Yeah. And he is very good at connecting with people and talking with them and just, excuse me, bringing them before the missions team. And we've sat in on a couple different interviews now, and we sent uh, one of our students earlier, um, or we're sending one of our students next year, and we sent one last year and we're raising up our own missionaries um yeah that's great i just drew a blank my brain's not working right now i need more coffee um but that's what we would like to see is more students coming to us going i'm interested in this and they don't even have to have like a destination or something we just want them to have interest Mm -hmm. and once we know the interest is there then we pray that the holy spirit just moves and directs and leads and it's not something that they're going to figure out with a 10-minute conversation with tony witty or a 10-minute conversation with pastor scott ward or with jared segerstrom or caleb love that's something that we're going to have to pray about and fight about and figure out with them and let the Lord illuminate where they're going and then help That's them out good. From there. So you don't have to have the destination picked out, students. So you need to have the willingness. And you've got a church full of people that want to help you do it. That's really good. Yeah, especially monetarily. Like, there's a lot of kids out there that are like, I want to go, but we don't have the money. Listen, our church, we are unbelievably just generous with our funds. We want to help people. We want to yeah. send people. We want to give people money to figure this out. And we would love to do that with you guys. That's good. And we are... I am working students on actively uh, planning a missions trip for next summer. So keep coming to youth group, keep uh, listening to the podcast, keep being involved. And uh, Tony, we really appreciate you jumping on the pod today.
spooked us enough. Um, my, my brother and I, we were sleeping one night, and we heard something scurrying on the floor, and we're like, oh, man, we have a mouse in the room again. Great. So we have mosquito nets, you know, to keep the mosquitoes down to prevent malaria, but you always got it anyway. Um, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, it's a long story, but we heard this thing scurrying on the ground. I'm like, oh, it's a mouse. And then my brother's like, oh, I just felt it run across my chest. I'm like, okay, it's just a mouse. Pump the brakes, dude. You're all right. And then I hear him go, Ooh. And he smacked himself. He's like, I got it. It was on my chest. I smacked it. It was a big, big mouse. All right. So we turned the lights on to find the mouse. And no, it was a tarantula. It was a giant, hairy spider. Oh, <laughs> no, me gusta. So, yeah, we didn't prank each other. Nature just took its course for us. Wow. I thought the Lord was calling me an Australian. Then I started seeing all the wildlife they have up there. Or in Africa, too. And I was like, Adam, I'm cut out for it. I don't Well, we had a, I thought it was a, a like an inner tube laying in our yard one day. I was looking out a window. I'm like, why is there an inner tube in our yard? So I went out to look at it. There's a spitting cobra just meandering through our yard. Oh, my word. Five foot spitting cobra. I had no idea. So I'm like throwing bricks and shovels at it. I'm like, oh, we got to get it. We got to get it. And one of the pastors came running up and he didn't speak a lick of English. He knew like, I don't know, six words, right? And he was trying to like get me back. He's like, no, 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 no. Him, you, no, spit, him. And I'm like, what are you saying? And finally he was like, he was pointing at his eyes and going, I'm like, oh, maybe I should back up. So that's like the Jurassic Park scene where they uh, the one tarantulas and the guy spits in his. Was that first one where he gets the like acid in his eyes? Yeah, the bad guy's trying to escape. spitting cobras and tarantulas. Yeah, all part of the, all part of the Tony biography. That's good stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah, man, the African experience. You'll have to come sometime.